I'm going to sneeze. Wait for it. No, I'm not. I said it and I didn't. There you go. That's the way it works. Beautiful song. I was going to comment on how beautiful it was. The singing was gorgeous just now. And that goes with what we were talking about this morning even. Uh, God's family being together. Doug's right. The song service is right on target with tonight's lesson. Uh, we need to cultivate that togetherness. I'm going to talk about that a little later here in just a, just a minute. Uh, Doug was right on target when he said that. A pet peeve of mine is someone kidding or not kidding, but who is involved in sin, who says, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I want to reply, are you judging that I'm judging? Don't judge me. You hear it a lot, don't you? Don't judge me. Sinners living in sin hate to be judged and they condemn those who tell them they are wrong or even mention that they need to change. Many involved in their particular sin are like drug addicts and alcoholics. They are. You you try to warn, you try to help, you try to intervene out of love and, and they get mad. They say, don't judge me. What they're doing is they're protecting their addiction. They're protecting their addiction. They'll even attempt in the midst of unrepentant sin to quote Scripture. Well, the Bible says not to judge, and you're judging me, so you're sinning by judging me. Don't judge me. Many in the religious world today claim that it's an outright sin to judge people. And they use Bible passages to to bolster their claim. Look, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do anything. There's a right way, anything. There's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. Would you eat mashed potatoes through a straw? Would you? Well, probably not. But you know, there's some people who have a problem they can't chew. And there's websites that you can go to and books that you can buy to teach, teach you how to prepare foods that you can eat with a straw. There's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. If you want to know the right way or the wrong way to judge, go to the Bible. The Bible is our standard. Go to the Bible. We'll touch on other passages today, but I'm, I want to focus on a passage that, that so many people bring up and say, see, here it is. The Bible says not to judge. And it's where our New Testament question is contained tonight. I want to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, because in this passage lies our New Testament question for the evening. But I want to understand the question that we're looking at And to do that, we've got to understand its context. We've got to understand where the question sits. Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. And if He said nothing more tonight or then, we would not be able to meet here tonight because we've had no way to get here. I mean, think about it. How many judgments did it take for you to get here? 
How many decisions did you have to make? How many choices did you have to go through to make it here tonight? The time that you left? The speed that you traveled? The conversation that you had on the way over? You had a lot of, lot of choices to make. How many choices will it take for you to get home tonight? I mean, will you really have to make a judgment about walking? Will you have to make a judgment about which door that you choose to go out? Someone really smart will say, no, he's talking about people here. Well, so you made a judgment. You made a judgment about the, about the Scripture that we're talking about this evening. Here's a problem. The Barna Research Group says that do-it-yourself morality is gaining momentum. And it is the way most 16 to 29-year-olds sift through their moral decisions. That's a problem. And Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is often quoted as the passage against judging another. It's quoted to mean that one should never judge another. But that stretches the verse, as we'll see. It stretches it out of shape and makes it mean something that it never did. We are constantly bombarded with, well, you may think that way, but everybody else has their own opinion. Everybody else has their own path. We're constantly faced with, that may be right for you, but that's not right for me. Yet we are told, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21, to prove all things. We are commanded, John chapter 7 verse 24, judge with righteous judgment. Not according to appearance, but with righteous judgment. We have the example of Peter in Acts chapter 8 verse 21, who saw that a man was in sin and he told him so. He told him, you're, in, you're, you're, you're a sinner. Jude tells us in Jude verse 22, And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. What Jesus means here in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is, is, is not to judge with con condemning judgment, with harsh judgment, false judgment. When Jesus says, judge not, He didn't say don't form an opinion. Don't form an opinion. He, he, he said to not judge with an unrighteous judgment, to judge with a righteous judgment. And that would, if we, if we don't judge with a righteous judgment, that would contradict what he says in John chapter 7, verse 24. Judge with righteous judgment. Jesus is condemning judging with the wrong standard, the wrong evidence, and the wrong motive. If I preach that all liars will burn with fire, or that those who don't obey the gospel, God will take vengeance upon them. Am I making a judgment? You bet I am. You bet I am. Because I'm judging with the right standard, God's Word, Revelation, 1 Thessalonians. I'm judging with the right evidence. You either have sinned or you haven't sinned. You either have obeyed the gospel or you haven't obeyed the gospel. There's, there's the evidence. And I'm judging with the right motive. Oh, well, maybe, maybe that's what you have a problem with. Maybe you have a problem with my motive. If you are judging my motive, are you not judging me? 
with an unrighteous judgment. My motive should be love. We are commanded to examine ourselves, continually examine ourselves, and we must ask ourselves if we are concerned with the unrighteousness of others or the self-righteousness of our own thoughts and our own actions. Are we always condemning not to help, just to condemn we run into a lot of people like that sometime. Look, look back at our passage. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgments you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now these words have been twisted and used as a scapegoat to allow sin to go on. If you tell me that if I continue on in adultery, or if I continue on in adultery or drunkenness, or lying, or cheating, if you tell me that if I continue on in that, and you, and you call me on the carpet for my sin, if I'm the world, or if I'm a Christian fallen from grace and been on doing what I want to do, you know, people usually do what they want to do, if I'm, if I'm that type of person, I'm going to tell you you're judging me. If we take the view that judging is wrong in all instances, then we can never be doctrinally nor morally pure in our lives nor in the church, ever. What many fail to see is that Jesus taught we are given the right and the responsibility to make judgments in order to help our fellow man with their sin problem. And we all have a sin problem. If we follow the rules of judging, which as I've stated are as the right standard, the right evidence, and the right motive, there's a right way and a wrong way to judge, we'll be judging correctly. We'll be judging the way God wants us and intends for us to judge. We should not cultivate a harsh, bitter, fault-finding spirit that looks on the ill side of a person and sees the evil in others. Brother Doug, hit it right the nail right on the head, the songs that we sang today, this evening, that common love, that common bond that we have, we've got to cultivate that. How you judge is how you'll be judged. In the end, I want to be judged by God, not by you. But if you are a child of God, then on this earth, I want to be judged by you. Because I know you'll use the right standard. I know your motive will be right. I know you'll look for the right evidence if you're truly a child of God and have love in your heart for me. God tells us in His Word what He wants. And if we go against that, and you, you using the Bible pull me back, well, I'm saved still. But that's what's wrong even in the church today. People don't use the right standard. The right standard is God's Word. People don't use the right standard. They don't use God's Word. And, you know, backsliding Christians have been thrown under the bus. Without the Bible, we cannot make a righteous judgment. Don't even try. Don't even try. 
Without the Bible, we can't, we can't even make judgments on ourselves. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 32, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. When we don't keep up with ourselves, we fail to see the beam in our eye. It brings us to our New Testament question for the evening. In verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Well, this is a bloodshot eye. The eye is a delicate thing. Eye is very delicate. The speck there could could be translated splinter. If you had a splinter in your eye, that would be a very delicate thing to do, to take out. You you might even need some precision tools to get it out. You might need some help. That speck that it's talking about there is sin. It's sin. The eye is is that life that you have. If I looked into the audience deep into each one of your eyes, could I see the speck that's there? Probably not. Probably not. The speck is an illustration, an analogy of, of, of me seeing you either, either commit a sin or sin that I know you committed by your own admission, a problem that you're having. I know it's a sin because I compare it to the right standard. I compare it to God's Word. But I've got to stick with the rules of judging and have the right evidence. Now, I get caught in this trap all the time. As much as I try and try, I'm still more likely to listen to you about somebody else than go to somebody else and ask them about it. That's because I've got this hypocritical beam sticking out of my eye that causes all kinds of problems. You know, the speck could be, like I said, translated splinter, which could cause great damage if not taken out. But me with this beam in my eye, I can't get close enough to you to even help you out with your problem. I recognize the fact that you're in danger. I want to help you, but I, but I can't because I've got, this, I've got this plank in my eye. I've got this heavy timber in my eye. I can't get close enough to help. You see, I've got to get this sin in my life taken care of first before I can tell you what to do. I need to make sure I'm saved before I save others. It's very common to minimize our own thoughts and magnify somebody else's thoughts. It's a very common thing to do. With unresolved sin in my life, how can I say, verse 4, to my brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. My unresolved sin has become bigger than yours because I have begun to judge and cannot fully or righteously understand the evidence. Unrighteous people judge unrighteously. You are a, verse 5, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, 
And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Judging correctly takes the right standard, the right evidence, and the right motive. And Paul said the right motive for all things, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, is love. And when we are blind to our own faults, we judge without mercy and we judge without love. James warns us against making judgments without mercy. James 2, verse 13, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy is an immediate immediate response to misery. If I'm, if I'm in misery or you're in misery, for me to give you mercy is, is that immediate response to that. And we must cultivate an environment of mercy in this congregation. We need to not gossip. We need to give our brothers and sisters, we need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mercy first. Mercy first. I'm a, hypocr- I'm a hypocrite if with, sin on, if with sin on me, I get on to you for your sin. You know, an example of that would be David and Bathsheba. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, we know the story. David took Uriah's wife Bathsheba for his own, committed adultery, the man ended up dying. David almost, almost basically had him killed. Murder was part of, the, part of the repertoire there for David. And Nathan the prophet comes to him and he, he tells him a little story. He says, there was a man who had a little lamb. You remember that? You remember the story, don't you? There was a man who had a, had a little lamb. And it was almost like a pet. And this other man, he he needed something to eat, so he came over and he had all kinds of sheep. He had a a whole bunch of sheep that he could have gone to and gotten for his dinner, but he came over and he got that, that, that poor man's one little pet lamb and took it and killed it and ate it. And David said, that man deserves to die. And Nathan said, you're the man. You're the man. David had no right to judge. Did he? Because he was that man. Victory over the evil in my life. Removing that plank. That's, that's the victory over evil. Removing that plank from my eye will give me the strength and the vision that I need to help my brother. If we cannot clean up our own morality, how can we judge our brother or our sister? But some use this as a cop-out. Well, I'm a sinner, so I don't have any business judging somebody else. Well, you know, you're right. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit in your sin? <laughs> really? You're just going to sit in your sin? Well, I'm, no, I can't judge anybody because I've got this going on in my life. So just sit in it then. If you love me, you'll tell me that I'm wrong. With mercy, the right evidence... In the Bible. Jesus tells us how to be able to judge according to the rules. Verse 5 here. Hypocrite. Acknowledge that there's a plank in your eye. 
Acknowledge that there's this plank in your eye. Second, remove the plank. You've acknowledged that you're a sinner. 1 John 1 verse 9. Pray to God. Ask forgiveness. Remove this plank from your eye. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. He'll, he'll forgive you of your sins. The plank is out. And then number three, the third step in this is C. C. Notice in verse 5 that little word. Notice that little word there, then. See that little word, then? That's the green light. That's the green light to judge. That's the green light to help. That's the green light to love. Switch over. Keep your finger here. Switch over to John chapter 7, verse 24. It'll be on the screen here. It says, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. God is against judgments made by unrighteous people. Hypocrites. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Who judge according to appearance. If you believe that all judging is wrong, you need to take a real hard look at your life. Ask yourself, examine yourself, judge yourself. Have I grown as a Christian or am I, am I still an infant? Life demands that we make judgments. In growing as a Christian... It says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, we need to make correct judgments. And keep your finger uh, in Matthew. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. It says here, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, which because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. For the church, for ourselves to remain morally and doctrinally pure, righteous judgments, discernings between good and evil must be made. Jesus tells us we must judge in the very next verse. Look at at, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Now who are the dogs? Well, you've got to make a judgment. You've got to make a judgment on who the dogs are. You've got to make a righteous judgment. Are these dogs? Or are these dogs? Or are they not? Nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now some are not ready to hear the truth. Some people are not ready to hear the truth. We must learn to value things that are sacred. We must learn to value things that are holy. Jesus is teaching here. Precious truth is is not to be misused or abused. Holy things are not to be misused or abused. Our pearls, to those incapable of appreciating them, they will abuse them and misuse them to their own delight. The Proverbs say... Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. It takes takes someone making a righteous judgment to know who's a scoffer and who's not. In an audience such as this, there are those who have not 
won't, can't listen. They're not ready. Some are too young to comprehend. Listen to me closely, though. There are many in this audience who are old enough to comprehend the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're old enough to comprehend the words that are coming out of my mouth. And I have cast the beautiful pearls before you. I have, I have cast holy words and God's thoughts before you coming from the Scriptures. Paul did so in Antioch in Acts chapter 13 verse 44. It says the whole city came to hear the Word of God in Acts chapter 13 verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. And Paul, he ran into the dogs and he ran into the hogs there. And it says in verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Let me tell you something. If you walk out that door tonight without obeying the gospel, I don't judge you. You do. Because you can understand and you can comprehend and you know what to do. If you crawl in bed tonight and say, I'm alright when you're not, who judges you? You do. I want to help you. I want to help you with that speck. You know, before I climbed up here tonight, before I climbed up here any sermon that I preach. I get on my knees and I pray to God, please forgive me of my sins so that I can tell you what I need to tell you. I make sure that my plank is gone. My motive is love. My standard, Lord willing, will always be the Scriptures. Let's get that speck out of your eye before there's some real damage done. Now, like I said, I can't look each and every one of you in the eye tonight and know the speck that's there. But you know it. You know the speck. Those here at Fountainhead, we want to help you get it out. We want to help you get that speck out. We want to pray with you. And we want to help you. Judgment's coming. A final judgment's coming. And will you walk out this door tonight judged? Or will you take just a moment and examine your life with the right standard, the right evidence, the right motive, and do the right thing. Come on, do the right thing tonight. As together we stand and sing.